can't believe you guys are going to replace me on this episode. We were not trying to replace but you. you. Kind of were trying to give you an out. Yeah, you didn't an out want to get us. off the show. You hey, didn't... if you don't want to do this movie, you're not going to be on the show. <laughs> well, we just said you hate scary movies. I do. And so we said, well, how about for this one, we just bring somebody else in for one week and let them take your place. And they would see the scary movie, and then you come back after yeah, the scary movie. instead of Gover. In, fa- <laughs> in fairness, <laughs> you did not say it that explicitly. It was, well, we'll just replace you on the show if you don't want to go. Oh, I think, oh, no. You- so the one-week thing was not there. So I was like, well, I guess I have to do this. I think you're very insecure about your spot on the show. Well, I do have an imposter syndrome once in a while. That's true. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm not very confident just, in my work. I think you just misinterpreted it because you have bad takes. <laughs> Replace you on this show. <laughs> what we're trying you to say. Me. I have no pull. You can't replace me. I'm DEI, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is the Untitled Film Project podcast with Jeremy K. Gover, who cannot be replaced, Justin Bradford, myself, Jim <laughs> Chandler. <laughs> and this week, uh, we are talking about the movie that uh, Jeremy didn't want to see because it's scary. The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Evil is on board. Powerful evil. We call him Dracula. A new story out of the Dracula saga. Let's get initial takes. Let's start with Justin Bradford. So I'm not typically a horror fan either. I don't think as against it as our friend Mr. Gover. That's probably true. Over here. Mm -hmm. I like thrillers. I like action, suspense, things like that when it comes to horror. I like horror when it's not gory for the sake of gory's sake. I like something that's going to tell a story. There's something historical. There's something that's going to make me jump. But it's because it's taken on the suspense art of it and not just slasher. I'm not a slasher fan. I'm a psychological horror fan. It's even that messes with me. I can't do religious horror. Okay. That really messes with my Mm -hmm. mind. This one I was curious about because it's Dracula. There's some history Mm-hmm. Just kind of meshed in with this, so that piques the curiosity. And so I was very curious about this because they're based on one chapter yeah. from the book. And it's just the captain's log. Plus, given the cast for this, I figured it's not going to be that type of slasher film anyways because you have people that are known as yeah. actors in Hollywood. You know, Liam Cunningham with Game of Thrones, David S. and Corey Hawkins. You have actors yeah. that have done multiple projects that are respectful. <laughs> And so, not just uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, right? (laughs) Right, or Velocipaster. Third reference. Third reference on the series, which is free with ads on Amazon Prime streaming. Still not going to watch. And I will. Were we sponsored to say that? No, no. But the reason I laugh and why I have to do a quick, quick spinoff is because I hovered over Velocipaster, so So I was trying to find something about it. Your algorithm screwed now. The the autoplay preview on it. Oh no. What's, what's the philosophy? He's telling you, everyone, so you don't have to do it. Okay, go ahead. The autoplay preview was not about the poof, something being gone, something up in flames, or him even switching to being a, a, a velociraptor, but it was a post-coitus interaction oh my. of this pastor and a woman where she's like, so you don't even remember turning into a dinosaur? It was a it was a spooning, snuggling. <laughs> He's like, I did what? After the loving scene. So oh my you, god! So either watch or not. Don't worry about the trailer. But anyways, <laughs> that, <laughs> the last voyage of the Demeter. 
I overall found it an enjoyable experience because it wasn't slasher. Had it been just blood and gore, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. There was suspense, yeah. and I liked the suspense because I knew it was going to jump. I knew something was going to appear. But I enjoyed kind of the historical aspect of, of what they did on it. And it is getting bombed by critics right now. Audience score is doing okay because I think it depends what you're going in and expecting out of this sure. as well, too. Oh, yeah. Expectations definitely play a role in this type of movie on how you're going to come out of it because I went and just wanted to be entertained, and I think I was I think they're set they're obviously set up for something more uh, as well with how they ended but I liked it I, I it was very gut-wrenching at certain moments when certain people died because obviously a lot of people die it's a Dracula when people are gonna die so that's not yeah. a spoiler at all but overall the music was enjoyable because it helped heighten the adrenaline rush for me my mm-hmm. heart was pumping the entire time waiting for something to happen thanks to the music setting some things up is very dark but I could understand very clearly a lot of things being said in the dialogue, which you don't get all the time when there's storms, there's darkness, there's horror, there's things going on. Thunder, there's yeah, rain. Yeah, you don't always get dialogue being heard. So I was able to hear that, and I liked, I overall liked the cinematography of it. Is it something that blew me away? No, it's not. But I'm glad that I went and spent my time to watch it because it's something that is a little bit out of my wheelhouse. And so that's what I appreciate about it. All right. Well, let's go to uh, Scaredy Cat last. <laughs> um, and uh, I'll tell you that, uh, yeah, I kind of also... Uh, you know, wasn't expecting a whole lot, but it, it looked like it was going to be pretty decent. It looked like it was going to be uh, filmed with some production quality that, you know, maybe some of your average, you know, uh, horror movies don't have. Um, so uh, I went in saying, okay, I, you know, I know that this is a part of the story. Never heard it. At least it's a, it's a new take on Dracula. So, uh, you know, I, I also sometimes can be very bored unless you go comedy when you have like Renfield, right? Uh, so definitely not boring. It was not boring, um, and, it, and you know, and then I kind of liked that it it wasn't funny yet it was tense and suspenseful. Uh, I think uh, the the actors gave it you know some some credibility, and uh, I, I really think they did a pretty decent job. Okay, let's go to Jeremy Gover, who was. Uh, very reluctant. Where's to your see blanket? This. Almost my lo- blanket is with my friend, my new friend. Um, <laughs> he almost lost his spot it. on the show because of this movie. Yes, I was almost replaced on this. <laughs> Fully replaced. <laughs> yep. Use an AI to cover up history. How it came across. We erase you from every promo. The new John Cena can't see you. <laughs> is that what he does? I don't know what he does. This is this this movie was fine. Okay. I'm not a scary movie fan for exact reasons that Bradford mentioned. It's, it, it, it's sometimes when you have a Friday the Thirteenth, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street, whatever. It's just for the sake of the slasher part of it. It's right. Just like, hey, how gory can we get? And then let's just do that, and then we'll find an excuse to do it. There's no real story, mm-hmm. or it's very loose plot. That basically, it's the plot is sent to uh, move along the gore. Right. I like <laughs> the other way around, and I thought. This movie was very average in that regard. That was kind of the same. Not that it was bad. It's just that, okay, I could have predicted all of these jump scares, and I did. Easier for you to watch, right? Right, easier for me to watch. (laughs) But if you're a horror movie fan, and I can predict it, you're probably not happy. One of the things I liked is the, is the casting in this movie. Uh, there's a there's a couple of people, and, and I think they all did a pretty decent job. Uh, I love the fact that they had Liam Cunningham as the ship's captain. Okay, 
from Game of Thrones. He's a recognizable guy, but everything he does has an air of authenticity. He's got it. You know, if certain people have charisma, something about him makes it authentic to me. It automatically says, yes, this happened hundreds of years ago. Uh, So he's perfect for that. Uh, Corey Hawkins, who plays really the uh, protagonist in the movie, the guy who goes aboard the ship uh, at the last minute as a doctor who doesn't really, he's not a, a, you know, a seaman by trade, but uh, ends up, you know, really having to, you know, face off against Dracula. I think he did great. I think he was really good in that uh, bringing subtlety and action at the same time, which is probably why they've chosen him to uh, star in the reboot of the TV show 24. That was Kiefer Sutherland's back in the early 2000s. Early 2024, he's going to be in that, and I think he's going to be pretty good for that. So I I liked the cast. That was a pretty balanced cast, too. There were different characters uh, playing off each other. Um, What are some of the things that you enjoyed in this movie? Liam Cunningham, his voice for me. It was his voice. Like like you said, the authenticity behind everything, but his narration just the way that he could control a scene with his voice. Oh, that voice was so soothing to me. That was the first thing. As soon as I heard him talk, oh, I feel great. Like, it it gave me just some serotonin to hear his voice and the narration of it. It made me feel that good. And it made sense, too, because the uh, actual story is supposed to come from the captain's log. Exactly. So for the captain to be narrating it, it was like another one of those, oh, that really makes sense. It wasn't just Absolutely. narration for the sake of it. Absolutely. And same with Corey Hawkins. I, I enjoyed his take on it. I think in terms of accent and everything as well, too, he did a fine job. Like, that's the thing with this. I don't think there was bad acting in this. I think all the problems people might have would be expectation more than anything else of what kind of Dracula movie are they doing. But the source material is one chapter. Yeah. So I thought the acting and the writing overall for what you could expect, I thought they did a fine job with this. Yeah. Jeremy? What stood out as something that you enjoyed in in this movie that they did well? Dr. Dre. I'm sorry. Corey Hawkins <laughs> did uh, great uh, as the lead character, and I thought he was tremendous. He carried the film, which, again, in a horror movie, you kind of expect the villain to carry the film. Right. Right. Again, I'll bring up the Jason, Freddy Krueger, right? The, just the, the typical, right. you know, kind of stereotypical horror movies. The The... The fear of the villain, even the Scream series, right? The, the sure. Ghostface carries the film. I thought Corey Hawkins carried this film, not the, the, the Dracula character. Right. And so, I mean, obviously without the Dracula character, you can't have a movie. But I mean, I thought, but he carried the film as far as interest, story, uh, just uh, captivation. What, what kept me coming, caring about each scene was how he was going to handle all these things. Mm-hmm. His you know, befriending the kid, Toby, and 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 working himself into good graces with, uh, you know, with the first maid. And the, the crew doesn't want him really there. Right, yeah. right. Uh, and, and then the girl, of course, that appears. So it's just all these things to say, okay, how is he going to get out of it? Yeah. Or what is he going to do to discover this next twist? It was never, oh, what's going to happen? It was always attached to him. Yeah. And I thought, and that can be dangerous. By the way, yeah, got to be good. And I thought he was great. And and then I know you're going to ask me, so I'll just beat it to the punch. I thought Toby, oh, man. Woody Norman, the was, child. I thought actor. he, I thought he was great, except for the crying scene again. We talked about this in our Megan episode. <laughs> okay, but 
that she, that that she was fine. Katie was fine, except for that crying scene, which I thought was really bad. This was also on the bad side. But if you notice, the director and the filmmakers covered his face the whole time. He has his hand, his head, and his his face in his hands. Yep, in the fetal position, almost right, sitting on the ground. And Corey Hawkins' character has to come in, like console him, whatever, and then he lifts his face and sit, you know, and turns turns it around. Other than that scene, which was smart by the filmmakers to cover his face, I thought he was tremendous. Excellent. That's a lot coming from. I, that's yeah. why I'm bringing it up. I know. I always, yeah. If you're new here, I bag on child actors quite a bit because they don't have the experience. Not their fault necessarily, or the chops to do the job. He really did. He yeah. Was Gover's a real. Yeah. Yeah. He's an unkind human. But <laughs> that's why we tried to replace him. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Maybe that's why. The yeah. truth comes out. Eventually it always does. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this this movie, obviously, you know, fifty uh, percent of this, if not more, is in the dark. Yeah, uh, it's on also a boat. on a boat, which if you're not I mean, during the day, uh, you know, up top side of the boat, uh, you're again in the dark. Uh, so one of the things that I, I really liked was the way this movie was lit and the cinematography because uh, I think a lot of times uh, either dark scenes, you can lose people, Mm -hmm. you can lose the emotions, you can lose characters, reactions to things. Every time they found a very clever way to light the right thing you needed to focus on. Um, And in we can, we've talked about this, I think, a lot in the last probably eight months. How many movies have come out that have purposely gone dark to hide bad production value or mm-hmm. CGI? Or TV shows. Or TV shows. Have a done lot of that. that with the Marvel and the Disney Plus uh, oh. canon. Exactly. The production design led very much well into what they're able to do with lighting in the dark. I yes. like the production design. The pra- there were a lot of practical effects. Aside from the CGI of, of Dracula, there were some good practical effects that yeah. took place in this film to make you believe they were on a ship in a storm in the dark. Yep. But lighting helped make you believe that without what they designed in this film as well. And because you believe that, which I didn't think about until this moment, because you believe that, you also buy into how isolated they are. Yes. Sure, you have nowhere to run right. if you're alone on a boat, which is like that same built-in tension that you have with, you know, alien, you can't leave the ship, uh, you know, it, or, or snakes on a plane. Where are you going to go right. to get right. away from the snakes? You, you're stuck in there. <laughs> Even when you're in a sea that is known to be smaller and you're closer to land typically you're not in the middle of the atlantic you're not in the middle of the pacific yeah. but to really just push the fact that they're alone they can't go anywhere right and if they do then they're releasing this havoc on everyone else so you, right. you think like the, you think of the mediterranean you think of the, the seas over in europe as you can easily cross and travel compared to the atlantic where it takes days yeah. to cross from north america to europe here you're not that far comparatively from land yet you they still feel isolated and that Shows a lot of building, world building for me. But then they also tackle that by the cook leaving. Yes, yeah. And then Dracula following him. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was so they, so they did address that. that it's like, you, oh, they fly now. You they tr- fly now. You truly can't leave. Mm-hmm. Like you're isolated. Yes, on this boat. But once you just get on a lifeboat and go, well, we took care of that too. On the, yeah. in the story. They yeah. closed up that hole. Yeah. Let's talk about Dracula and what he can and cannot do. What he looked like, because. Uh, be- some of the things that I had a problem with this movie were how they portrayed Dracula. Uh, we've had everything from, like, you know, the, you know, 
the the gentleman, you know, who just happens <laughs> to have slightly longer teeth, but he's all dressed up in top hats, and you know, he's inviting people to dinner, and then and night, having them for dinner, and then he bites them, you know, um, and then <laughs> it, we had more of a velociraptor Dracula in this one. It was more of a demon for sure. It, yeah, and uh, it really wasn't until when they were hinting at the end at a sequel that we actually see him kind of pretending to be human. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the things I like about the Dracula, uh, Dracula character is the fact that it was once human and is now this immortal, tortured being that has to keep killing to survive. But there's always a little element of the humanity in there. And with the exception of maybe a, one smile that was really just to, you know, Piss, you piss off yeah. Clemens and uh, yeah. and the and the audience, like oh, oh no you don't, yeah. and his little uh, <laughs> you know little little scene at the end showing that he's he is going off through London, uh, you know he really he was just a creature I thought yeah and with that one of my issues was that they showed too much, mm-hmm. they showed okay. too much too early in the film. And that is my thing with horror. This I'll always revert back to Darkness Falls. If anyone remembers that, it is the horror story of the Tooth Fairy. <laughs> like, There's one for the kids. And I think this is <laughs> seriously though, because this was Look, a movie to paid for it, where okay? you have this is like early two thousands maybe. This is a while ago. Okay, and just remember like this is this is kind of scary. And then all of a sudden, halfway through the movie, they start showing everything on the monster. Like this isn't scary anymore. You just desensitize the entire audience. Absolutely, to what is going on? Like you had you had flashes of darkness, and you'd see a hand, you'd see a shadow, something creepy, and then all of a sudden they show the whole thing, and then they keep showing the whole thing. And like, okay, there's so. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. No, finish your thought. So that was the problem for me here is that I felt way more suspensed when I couldn't see everything. When there was dark shadows, dark hands, you could see glimmers of teeth, you could see eyes, you silhouettes, could see silhouettes, outlines, and everything like that. Then we started showing more. I'm like, yeah, there's intensity to it, but it's not as scary as it could be because it's been revealed. I felt like the reveal. Could have oh, waited yeah. for much, much further on in the film. Oh yeah, there there was one scene, and I'm just gonna guess it was maybe halfway through the movie, where they're you know they're up on the deck, and you know standing on you know a part of the ship, uh, Dracula kind of spreads his wings, and I'm almost thinking like. Are you showing off your dress for the cameras and paparazzi in front of the Met Gala? How about the back of the dress? Yeah, let's do the full 360 view on the E, you know, red carpet review. I just, like, it was so much. I'm just going, like, okay, do you want to diagram this thing out and point to parts of his body and say, like, oh, this is the part, you know what I mean? But did it have pockets? Yeah, did it have... If it didn't have pockets, well, then that's, yeah, that's just absurd. even more absurd. cruel for, for to make, you're immortal and you have no pockets. The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Let's get some scores and go around. Let's start with Mr. Didn't Want to Go, Jeremy Gover. Oh, yeah. The acting was good. Uh, like we talked about, the, it was full of horror tropes, though. Okay, the music fades out right before something's going to happen. So I could again, I predicted it right every single one to a T. The jump scares were non-existent for me. I didn't have a single one that actually got me. Question with that? Yes. 
did that help you progress through the movie? Because I ask this because some people that enjoy horror movies can set themselves into a scene mm-hmm. or they're not trying to predict. They just want to experience it. So I, I only ask this not to deter your score and what you got from it, but did it help you cope with getting through the movie by being able to predict and wanting to uh, predict? Yes. Okay. But I'm not. So, okay. I'm just trying to get the, the no, no, point I, of view for this because it to- is different. I totally get that. Yeah. It's just a complicated answer because, yeah. uh, because yes, to answer your question straightforward without any clear, uh, color around it, yes, it helped me get through the movie, but I'm not a... I'm not, I'm not the target demo. Right. Okay, so right. I'm it, not watching the trailer on TV and be like, I'm going to go see that. Right. If they helped you through the movie, they lost points. Right. That's, <laughs> right. That's, right. Right. And that's what I'm trying to lead into yeah, for him. Because <laughs> when I go to a film, what do we say? I, I yeah. always want to see something new, see a special, something creative, something cool. And if I can predict every single jump scare, mm. you didn't really do your job. Now, right. I thank you because I don't care about this kind of genre. <laughs> but the horror movie fan who's going because it's a horror movie and they're very excited about a, dra- a new take on Dracula is going to be like, what? Like, because it's just so predictable. Okay. Yeah. Uh, again, the tropes were there. Other characters were grabbing someone's shoulder at just the right time from behind, but it, you, they want you to think it's Dracula, but it's not. It's just the first mate. It's just it's all it, trying to use religious characters to make it scarier. Mm-hmm. It was they used a child. I mean, all the tropes were there. Everything was there, so therefore it was predictable. Here's an idea, guys. Okay, sleep during the day. <sighs> Boom. Problem solved. And then everyone huddle around the steering wheel. What's that thing called? Steering wheel? When, <laughs> steering wheel. Whatever it is. Which, <laughs> at night. And then that way, no, the one's, joystick. no one's alone. The everyone, demeter. That's how you set yourself up for success. Less voyage of the demeter. Day. Demeter drift. Yes. <laughs> just a thought. I would have loved to have seen. Yeah. This, this, is a, this is not a true one. It's just fun. I would have loved to have seen, you know, that final shot. You, you mentioned earlier, Jim, about how they yeah. you know, they kind of tease the sequel, right, where he's in the bar and he looks over and he sees him. Yeah. Okay. I would have loved if that was Nick Cage. <laughs> I thought that would have been really freaking cool. We're building a universe here. Because then, yeah, because then you could, they could, you could jump to Renfield and have a good time with that. Yeah, that would have been fun. I, oh my not gosh. the same tone, by the way, but still. No. Uh, I can summarize this movie in four words, and I will to, summar- to summarize my score. It serves its purpose. 5.5. Okay. Okay. So, uh, yeah, just just above the, the median five. I, I did not hate that I went. I hated being there, but I didn't hate. <laughs> it cooled off during the movie. Right. But it was like, okay, this is all predictable. Nothing's going to get me. You know, It's not uh, smile, and it's not what's the one that just talked to me. Yes. I would not be able to see either one of those movies. Which, which I saw, which was... Quite compelling. It was pretty decent. Right, but they're different than this, right? Very different. Okay, they're my, yes. rest my case. Those don't speak to me either, so. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so well, don't, don't talk to me is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> I say that every day to you. <laughs> you do, actually. I text you and you go, I'm going to replace you from the show. If you, so. <laughs> I need help with marketing. <laughs> <laughs> After that. <laughs> All right, well, I'll, I'll let you know what I think here on my score. Uh, that I, I was a little bored going into it, even though I was glad they were finally taking, they weren't taking the same story and trying to retell it. They were finding another story in that, you know, canon, and uh, pretty soon they're going to run out of Dracula if they're going to go from the Bram Stoker original. Uh, you know, we're going to get like the story of the guy who delivers potatoes to his mansion in <laughs> Transylvania. You know what I mean? We're going to get Dracula kids. Yeah. 
Exactly. Dracula the Next Generation. Yeah, who knows? I just, yeah. <laughs> Jim Henson's Dracula Babies. I have no idea. So uh, I was glad that they, you know, this was a, a different story. Uh, I think uh, production-wise, it was pretty good. I was at least uh, of the quality of, of a good HBO series like Game of Thrones, since, you know, Liam Cunningham is in it, uh, if not a little better. Uh, this is the same director who did Troll Hunter. So uh, this is a big step up for that director, not only in, uh, I guess, uh, I guess the, the quality of what's going on, but just probably overall budget. Uh, I think they made very good use of their money, whatever they, they used in this. Uh, it never looked cheap. Uh, I think the movie fell as the more, the more we saw Dracula, the more... I was disappointed in the movie. Uh, So, you know, when he became fully visible and they were trying to, you know, stay at least, okay, how many of us can survive? Can any of us survive? Uh, And he's just running around and and it becomes a little more, you know, chase scenes and things like that. Uh, I think the movie kind of fell apart. But overall... I really enjoyed it. I like loved uh, uh, Hawkins and and the rest of the the cast. I thought they they just did a really good job of uh, keeping me interested in the movie when there is no monster, um, and I enjoyed those scenes a lot. Um, so while it wasn't a blow me away story, and I did predict a lot of those jump scares, uh, I think they did this better than most. So I'm going to give it a seven. Whoa, okay. That is higher than expected. That is higher than expected. Yeah. So, Justin Bradford, let's score The Last Voyage of the Demeter. Ah, you got it. Okay. So, for me, again, expectations were going in as horror and not thriller. And to me, it ended up being a thriller suspense movie, which actually made me like it way more throughout the film. As same as Gover, as we're getting through, I'm like, oh, there's plot, there's story, Mm -hmm. there's world building, Mm there's character building. Okay. There's acting with some chops. Yeah, there's there's acting. There, there's there's good production value. There's good cinematography. I'm, I'm enjoying so far. Um, even with them showing the monster too much, overall, I did enjoy the film. And that was, that's my biggest knock is that they just showed Dracula too much, which it's a Dracula movie. I'm, I'm feeling they need to feel like they have to show him more, but I feel like you could have put the horror element into it better if you didn't expose him as much until the end especially if you are world building to have future films that's when you expose more it's right. here you're the setup of oh my god what are we dealing with instead of oh it's dracula we're dealing with dracula oh let's figure out a way to kill him the great ones slowly reveal slowly reveal yeah. but but like you said jim it is a huge step up for the director and i feel like with the big budget he did a pretty fantastic job uh, making this film intriguing, interesting, following some historical context, uh, working with special effects and practical effects and everything of that sort. I thought they did a fine job with that. It was really cool for me to see John John Briones on screen because as soon as I heard him talking, like, he's Filipino. As oh, soon as I heard yeah. him talk, could hear the accent, I knew. I'm like, my people <laughs> on the screen. Um, so for representation purposes, I really enjoyed seeing him on there. And, he, and he's and he been in other things as well, and has done voiceovers too. But it was really cool to see a Filipino actor in something that's based in the 1800s. Yeah. <laughs> in late 1800s, early 1900s. So it was neat to see that. Um, overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, it was 
think even the gore parts of it too made sense or practical for what Dracula was and the type of monster they're building for him too. Sure. Uh, David Desmalkian, I want to make sure he gets some some credit for this because the character that he portrayed, you could just see there's internal struggle within him and what yep. he was trying to pull off. I did not know if everyone was going, if anyone is going to survive or not. Like I didn't until maybe two thirds of the way was not sure about Corey Hawkins' character if he was going to make it or not. And yeah. then finally, figure like he's the one they're really centering around him. He's going to be the survivor. Like, if you finally figure yep. that out, because when the ship arrives and they're investigating it, right, you don't know who right. actually escaped or not. And you're trying to think, is that the one? Is that the one? Is that the one? Until finally, okay, they're centering the universe around his character even more. Right. Um, overall, yeah, I enjoyed it and I give it a 6.5. All right. The last voyage of the Demeter is probably the last shipboard scene we're going to see from this story because they were definitely setting up the next one with Dr. Clemens hunting down Dracula. But with the next one, what I'd like to see, and one thing they missed with this one is they should have labeled it Dracula colon the last voyage of the Demeter. Probably a marketing opportunity lost. With the next one, put Dracula in there, Dracula sells, or label it something to our people that don't know what it is, at least have their curiosity peaked. Right. Of, oh, this is a Dracula story. Instead of having to be told that, just put it in the freaking title. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Today's day and age, subtlety doesn't pay off <laughs> in the titling of your movie. People aren't smart anymore. Saying. <laughs> and there's so much media out there. There's so much media being released in terms of movies and stuff. You kind of need to be told a little bit unless you have lots of marketing dollars. And they did not market this much. You got you to cut through the noise. Yeah. Cut through yeah. the noise. Yeah. I'm elemental. Called Fire and Water or something like, <laughs> which somehow somehow has made a lot of money now. It was a slow burn for them, <laughs> but they made <laughs> money. And I don't know. It's so mid. Uh, I don't know how they did it. Uh, a rainier summer than usual. <laughs> <laughs> Movies are back, baby. <laughs> that's the that's the explanation. <laughs> All right, it's time on the uh, Untitled Film Project podcast to ask the big question. Justin. All right, so one of my favorite follows on TikTok is Kit Laser, and he came up with this, and I'm sure plenty of other creators of what as well have come up with just the discussion point, which are board games that should have movies. So you have plenty of source material. You have something you could loosely base it on. We've seen iterations of these things happen. We, we've seen Battleship, which... Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> We, we've uh, seen Jumanji yeah. and then Clue, which I think is an incredible cult classic. For sure. So we've seen different levels of different board games. And nowadays, especially, there are so many board games. Most of my thoughts are more the broad ones that probably the general public is going to know and hear about. But I'm sure there's plenty of other source material board games that could be fantastic. So my question is, what board games would you like to see made into a movie? Jeremy Gover. I can I can give you two. What do you okay, think? let's go. Okay, all right, super quick. The give, first give one, us the give us the pitch at the studio because there's a twist on both of them Ooh, like that you can't predict. <laughs> well, twist meaning you know when you think of like Monopoly, you think oh it's a banker and he just you know whatever right. builds his empire. Okay, no, do Monopoly where it's a downtrodden person. Okay, who builds his fortune and do it that way. Oh, okay. okay, and then what the, the maybe the the mental anguish and the um, 
moral code he has to break and then find the happy medium of in order to do this and help out others. His That's em- how you do it. His emotional journey from rags to riches. Correct. Yeah, okay. you, do it, you do it that way. The second one, which is what I really want to see, is Trivial Pursuit. Oh, wait, wait. really? Okay. Because I was trying to, I thought of it and I go, I, how do you make this into a movie? I'm about to tell you. You make it into a Saw-like movie. Or, yeah. Where somebody has to, maybe it's a, they're an unwilling participant on a game show. And they have to fill in all the different pies throughout their life, their everyday life. They they'll they don't know what day they're going to go to their car and there's going to be an envelope on it. Or they're going to go to work and on their desk there's going to be an envelope on it. And they have 24 hours to solve this, whatever it is. And you do it that way. So, so from the non-horror guy, if you took it like at a horror like place, yeah, I think it could really, really work. Those I are like my two. It. I like okay. it. That's okay. that's innovative. I think there's plenty of board games that would definitely fit into that horror genre when done right. Candyland would be a real good one. Oh, oh my! You could get some creepy ass dolls and shoots and ladders. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, yeah. There's all kinds of. There's a, yeah. But Jim, Jim, I don't want to steal your thunder, Jim. Anything yeah, I may Jim, be yeah. naming some stuff. Okay. Uh, no, no, it's okay because uh, you haven't, and and I was really trying to think of like what are the most fun games that I've been around and played, whether at a party or a family gathering, and. They didn't involve a board, so I guess I'm cheating a little bit. No, not necessarily. <laughs> uh, but I am going to call uh, my movie Cards Against Humanity, the film. <laughs> That's good. The film. And NC-17. Yes, how inappropriate would <laughs> oh, this yeah. game be? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because you know sometimes when you get together with family, you know, like there's almost like, oh, no, we're just going to set that card yes, aside because we're not, not going to do that do around that. the kids or nope, grandma. You got to do it. Dude. Nope, uh, nope, yeah. never. Yeah, so no filter. Yeah, this is this is an R-rated film, and you shouldn't be playing the game with your family. Then it's an R-rated film. <laughs> you shouldn't be bringing your family to the game. Play apples to apples if you're going to be weak like that, <laughs> which is true. Apples to apples is the tame version of yeah. Cards Against yeah. Humanity. If you can't handle Cards Against Humanity, go sit down in another room, play apples to apples, and okay. have fun. Here's here. Okay, it's a dual film. All right. Side-by-side theaters, one shows apples to apples for those who can't take it. That's right. And the other, they show the film that I came up with. I like it. And here's what it, okay, because maybe because I've seen the movie uh, Free Guy recently with with Ryan Reynolds, okay, who can play, you know, the happy, goofy, go-lucky guy, and he can also play Deadpool, okay? So he's got that range. So uh, it's a world in which uh, Ryan Reynolds lives but there's a world above that world, and almost like gods, you know, they're playing cards against humanity at a party. Oh and, and whatever plays out in the cards against humanity happens in the world that Ryan Reynolds has to live in. Oh, it's going to rain some really disgusting things. So it really is. <laughs> it's like Free Guy, but with Cards Against Humanity. The uh-huh. things that happen to him are the stuff yep. that happens for at the party. So. I'm here for it. Great Especially idea. you already cast it with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. That would be pretty fun. Yeah, I'm in for that one. I yeah. would make it, and I would pay to go see it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So I don't think Disney will be taking that one. No. Uh, <laughs> don't have to. Yeah. We'll give it an A24. Yeah. It's a Blumhouse. <laughs> A24. <Yeah. laughs> yeah. Okay, so Justin. this is Justin, and I have a few. Okay. The, the ones that I think could fit in the horror genre very well could be Don't Wake Dad. Oh, yeah. Trouble. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yes. All these ones where you can like knock opponents off that you could get in trouble very much could fit into the hor- operation. Can uh, you imagine operation would be a, an yeah. operation game? Oh, yeah. Twister. 
we're talking like human centipede type of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Which nobody needs again, but... <laughs> <laughs> He's just giving examples right now. I'm He's just, just, I'm just, just giving examples. I'm not saying you this, have to. This is the pitch meeting. It's nothing yeah. set in stone. Right. Nothing set in stone, but someone's going to run with it. If they can make Velocipastro, then cool. they can do it. <laughs> Three episodes, four references right. of Velocipastro. But, but. I need a bingo card. I did think about Cards Against Humanity, so I'm glad you went with that, Jim. Mine is Ticket to Ride. Okay. All right, now I'm not familiar with the game. Oh, yeah? So Ticket to Ride is basically, there's multiple versions of it, too. The, the first version is the, the American version, where you're building railroad tracks and journeys cross-country to different cities, and you have to accomplish these to win the game. So you randomly draw, and you have to build these different railroad tracks, but you're also competing against other people in the game to finish their journeys as well. And if a track's taken, you can't go on that. You have to collect a certain amount of pieces to make it happen. Okay. So this 100% sets up for an action-adventure comedy type of film where you could have people in the 1800s and they make this bet or that they have to battle to to complete this or you could even lean less into the comedy and more into the action-adventure type of things to make it a cop to save somebody. They have to complete these types of rules. Ticket to Ride is just begging, begging for a movie version to be made whenever the rights get sold to it because it's an exhilarating game and... If they want to, there could be international versions because there's Ticket to Ride Scandinavia. There's Ticket to oh, Ride sure. Europe. There's Ticket to Ride just Pennsylvania. I mean, there's <laughs> Ticket to Ride with so many versions of it. There's Xbox versions of it. There's board game versions. There's so many different versions of this game that now it is very, very popular. And if you've never played it, it is fun to play because it's very strategic, it's very competitive, and you have to pre-plan so many things to see what's going to happen. So oh, I, I think like this. it would is this really be, set up. Would this be a good ensemble cast? Yes, 100% ensemble cast type of movie where you have probably like five to six different leads within yeah. this film. What would you take at, from a board game and make into a movie? Give us your pitch on a board game. So not just the, not just the name of the board game. I want to see a pitch. You yes. want to see like a two, three sentence pitch of a board game you want to see turn into a movie. You can find all of that on untitledfilmprojectpod.com. You can find all of our social media. Go all Shark Tank on us. Please do. That'd be awesome. Thank you for listening to the Untitled Film Project podcast. To support the show, please rate, review, follow, and subscribe. Original music by Jeremy Schwartz. Special thanks to the Music City Film Critics Association. Editing and post-production by Jeremy K. Gover. Voiceover by Chad Bennett.